Hello everyone and welcome along to the latest edition of the Sport Huddle brought to you by Leeds Hospital Radio Sports Team. My name's Ian Marsden and tonight we are joined by Bernie Thornton, Bill Dale and Tony Chalk. It is going to be very cricket-centric this week, what with the Ashes Test, uh, Headingley just finishing on Sunday. Plus then the Ashes starts again next week at Old Trafford and uh, I'm, I'm, even Yorkshire have played um, in the county championship. Um, so I'm sure we'll chat a little bit about that. And we might throw in the, uh, a little bit about Wimbledon and your favourite Ashes test of your lifetime. So we'll we'll crack on. Um, two of the guys were actually at Headingley um, this past week. Um, so can give us an actual bird's eye view of the of the game. Um, but, and we'll start with um, we'll start with Bernie. You were there first day. Um, yes. Yeah, let's go from the first day and you guys literally just chat away if you want to butt in, butt in. Okay. Right, yeah, yeah, thanks Ian. Um, yeah, well, uh, it didn't start that well actually. We got there about um, half an hour before the scheduled start and got in 20 minutes after the scheduled start. So, oh. <laughs> so the, the organisation was, uh, I won't say what you've come to expect from Hedy and Lee, that will be unfair, but... Uh, it, the queuing system was uh, pretty ropey, but uh, anyway, we, we, we missed Warner's early wicket, and um, the rest of it was a good day. It wasn't, uh, the, the, well, the, the, uh, the, certainly the first two days were really good cricket, good competitive, close cricket. Um, the difference was that uh, the Friday goers got better weather than we did on the Thursday, but we're not going to uh, split hairs about that. It was it was a super day's cricket. And uh, a super test match. Let's uh, let, let's get that said first of all. It was yet another fantastic test match between two well-matched sides, and uh, it just—I I, I keep going on about this—but it just does demonstrate the value and the sheer enjoyment value of a good quality competitive test match, as opposed to the one-day stuff. Um, but we, we've had all that debate before, and I won't, I won't bang on about it. Uh, what I will say is, although they are uh, very uh, comparable sides, I think, in terms of ability, I don't think either of these two sides are quite up to the standards that we've seen in the past, or that perhaps was expected. I think the Australian batting hasn't really been functioning as a unit. I think we probably all expected to, them to rack up some huge scores uh, by this time, and they haven't done. Uh, obviously, some of the uh, early order have got good scores. Uh, Warner must be, for all his bravado, he must be shattered now with his experience against Stuart Broad. So it remains to be seen whether he's actually going to feature in the last two games or not. And of course, losing uh, Nathan Lyon was a big blow to the Aussies. They, they brought Murphy in, and uh, well, we didn't see much of him really, so it's it'd be unfair to judge him. But um, it did perhaps re- reveal a, a slight weakness in the bowling. Um, for England, I think the bowling overall has disappointed. Where Jimmy Anderson has, has not performed to his best. I think that's clear for all to see. And, um, and Robinson's been a bit disappointed as well. And I think my, my big fear was when he went off during the um, uh, first day. And uh, I was really fearful of what might happen because England was so light on seeing bowling. But uh, I, I've got to give tremendous credits to Chris Wokes because he came in and he did a fantastic job with the ball in both innings. He was, uh, he was absolutely outstanding. 
and of course he uh, racked up the winning runs in a, a very a vital stand with Harry Brook and then saw the game home once Brook was out. So a great performance by England, uh, well worthy of that win. All three have been very, very close and uh, I, I can't wait for the next two. Um, a couple of other points, I think um, uh, Stokes has led by example for England. He, he, he did great things in the second test and I think he's been uh, exemplary throughout the uh, series so far, both uh, as um, uh, leading by example and also I think he's tactically in the field has been pretty good as well. So England have the momentum, having come back from that 2-0 deficit, uh, the 2-1 with a great victory behind them. I said at the start of the series that I thought England would shade it by a nose and I'm still sticking to that one. <laughs> Tony, take it from there. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, I, I was sort of left reflecting as I came away from the ground and maybe this might have, uh, actually uh, apply to the ladies' ashes as well um, after seeing some of last, last night's or yesterday's game. Uh, just re- reflecting on how one-sided this series could have been if England had actually been able to catch their catches and take their stumpings, because uh, yeah. if they'd done so at Headingley, it's quite likely Australia in the first innings would have been rolled for about 130 or 140, mm. uh, in which case we could all, all have been home well before we were. Um, they certainly should have won at, at Edgebaston if they'd taken the chances there, uh, and, and arguably at Lords as well, because uh, some went down there. So I, th- I think that's the most disappointing part of the series as far as uh, England are concerned because um, I think I'm right in saying bar two successive balls uh, where Mitchell Stark was diving to, to catch and a return catch to Murphy went down. Australia caught everything uh, at Headingley. Uh, all the slip chances were taken um, and, and that makes such a difference. Uh, so England really should have should have won it more comfortably than than they did. Uh, but I, I'd agree with Bernie certainly about uh, Chris Wokes, who I thought uh, bowled tremendously well. Uh, I thought on day one that Mark Woods certainly his first spell from the uh, Kirkstall Lane end uh, where, where where I was sat was uh, I have never seen anybody bowl faster. Put it that way. Uh, and, and I saw the, uh, the the West Indians in in the 70s and 80s. Um, uh, Lillian Thompson as well, but I, I've never seen anything faster than that, uh, and it certainly shook up the uh, the uh, uh, Australian batsman. Crucially, of course, he cleaned out the tail very quickly in that first innings, which which, which was vital. Um, I thought in the second innings, one place where I would be critical was the way they attacked head uh, in uh, helpful conditions. The ball was swinging, seeming on that Saturday evening and they persisted with the short ball attack to him. Um, whereas everybody else, they pitched the ball up and got him out. So I, I, I couldn't understand why they didn't vary it a bit more. Uh, and I thought in the end they were probably chasing 20 or 30 more than they should have been, to be honest. Um, but the batting in the second innings, a uh, lot of credit to Harry, Harry Brook, uh, which, uh, well, I'll leave Bill to talk about that because uh, he, he will, I'm sure, take some credit for that in a, in a, in a minor way. Um, uh, because, to be honest, in the first innings, um, somebody I was, I was sat with actually uh, just leant over to me um, after Harry Brook was out in the first innings and said he, he, he looked out of his depth there. Uh, and I think he was sort of struggling a bit at number three, um, going in so early against what was a pretty new ball at that stage. 
um, uh, whereas when he was down at five, coming in a bit later and, and all the confidence, he looked edgy in the first innings, whereas in the second innings, uh, he, he was much more confident. He'd won or two slight fiddles outside the off stump, uh, but generally played very well and showed great maturity for, for one of, um, uh, of such a young age. Uh, Stuart Broad, I thought, bowled well again. He, he, over the series, I think he's been the pick of the England attack. Um, so my guess is that at uh, Old Trafford, um, Anderson will probably come in for Robinson because of Robinson's uh, injury problems as much as anything. Um, because Anderson has been innocuous in the first two, to be honest, at Edgbaston and Lords. So whether he'll do better at Old Trafford, we'll see. Um, in the uh, in, in the batting, well, clearly there aren't going to be any changes there. I would say, in my personal opinion, a lot of people will disagree with me. Probably, uh, maybe maybe the guys here will disagree with me. That I uh, I think Johnny Bairstow is very lucky to hold on it onto his position. Uh, I would seriously have been thinking about getting Ben folks in there because I, I tend to be a man who says. Um, you pick your best wicket keeper, and and it's not as if folks can't bat. Uh, he can, he can bat, he can score runs, uh, but Johnny's potential, obviously, for runs scoring is what keeps him in. But he hasn't scored any runs apart from the first innings at Edgebaston. Uh, so I think he's very fortunate to stay in. I would say that had they lost at Headingley, I think they might have made the change. Um, but we'll see. We'll see uh, what it happens. It was uh, very exciting on Sunday, as you might expect. Uh, not quite as nerve wracking as four years ago, possibly, but uh, uh, even so pretty nerve wracking. But uh, it was good to see them get home in the end. And it's kept the series alive. And that, that's the great thing. It goes to Old Trafford. Problem is, England have to win there. It, it, even, even a draw will mean that the Ashes are retained by Australia. But I suppose at least a draw would keep it open as far as um, a drawn series. I'm saying that because I'm aware that the weather forecast really for the rest of this month is pretty iffy. So, you know, you, you, we know what Manchester's weather can be like. So I think the prospect of a draw at Old Trafford can't be written out completely. Uh, and just quickly on the women's ashes, great to see them come back. They were 6-0 down. They've got it back to 6-all. Um, remarkable, really. The first time that Australia have lost a, a, a 50 overs match in the last... 15, I think. Um, and, and as regards losing a one day series, uh, sorry, a 2020 series, I don't think they've lost one of those since 2017 or something like that. So uh, England coming back to win the last three matches is remarkable. Whether they can carry it on and actually win the series, I think, is perhaps open to question because it still is an Austra a strong Australian side. Uh, but they'll be they'll be worried a bit now. They'll, they'll be a bit concerned. Uh, and I think the great shame is just to finish on this. That um, the, the, the matches that they've won, uh, they won at the Oval, uh, they've won uh, at Bristol, the next two are at Southampton and are at Taunton. Where's the match in the North? And that leads yeah. on to the Ashes in 2027, when neither Old Trafford nor Headingley has got an Ashes Test match, and Southampton has, and I think that is ridiculous and nonsensical. It is. Um, I know that Trent Bridge has one, but you know, yeah. And I'm pleased that Trent Bridge has got one because they haven't had one for a long time. I'm not, I no, wouldn't exactly. question that at all. I think exactly. Trent Bridge definitely should have one, but yeah. Southampton definitely should not have one. No, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's a soulless bowl. Um, and yeah, Trent Bridge, Headingley and Old Trafford and Edgebaston, they, all four of them should be on all the time with one London ground, but that's never going to happen. Is no, it? no, it's no, always no, got to no. be the Lords and Oval. So. Um, 
yeah. Um, Bill, um, give us your overall thoughts, like the like the like the two guys have, please. Yeah, well, well, thanks. I'm, I've got the graveyard slot coming in third, um, so I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to sweep up on uh, unique points to, uh, to 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 come to. Um, but I'm, I'm going back to Tony's point. You know, there's been a lot of talk about baseball and. Uh, uh, totally inappropriate for the Ashes. Well, if England had held on to the catches like Australia had held on to the catches, we'd be 3 0 up and the job would be over and done with. Yes. Um, but it's not. Um, and um, we battle on. Um, we've had three fantastic close games. Thoroughly enjoyed them all. Um, probably the latter one more than the first two, mainly because of the result. But uh, it's compelling watching. Um, but, you know, basketball's got a place. Uh, in my view, going forwards, but it just needs to be slightly basketball light or basketball with brains. Um, <laughs> I, I, I look at you know the the, the, the declaration, which looked a bit arrogant with hindsight. I could see why they did it at the outset at uh, um, at Edgbaston, um, uh, taking on the short ball just to get on with the game and throwing away three wickets in a fantastic position um, when I think they were 188 for one. Um, yeah. uh, and that gets blown away. And I just sensed a, a degree of moderation um, at uh, Headingley. Um, you know, I always say when I'm, I'm watching Test cricket and I'm watching it with my boys who are now uh, adults, play the situation, play the situation. And for once, in England paused, thought, played the situation. Put Moen Ali in at three, um, and people call it a failure. Well, you can't call it a failure when somebody gets out for a, a low score. I'm sure they'll repeat it at, uh, um, at Old Trafford. Um, Harry Brook, I think, in his 75, batting at number five, which is where he should be, I think played his most valuable in- innings for uh, England, despite those four fantastic uh, uh, overseas uh, hundreds. And in the process, uh, went past a 1,000 runs, um, apparently the fastest to a 1,000 runs in terms of balls faced. Um, I wouldn't be too uh, um, uh, proud of that necessarily, in as much as he beat uh, Colin de Grandon, uh, Tim Sowley. Um, so <laughs> um, I think Ben Duckett was fourth. Um, but uh, it was 17 innings, and I think the record was 12 by Herbert Sutcliffe or Bradman or something like that. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, but I, th- I think that was the um, the innings that really sort of uh, announced him as a, a you know a permanent uh, England player for the foreseeable uh, future. Yeah. Um, and he showed a great deal of maturity. I think he um, he will regret that shot that got out because I think he, could, he would have he would have loved to have seen England um, over the line. But he got them to within the finish line, and I don't think by the time he went out got out that the I wouldn't say the result wasn't in doubt, and they still needed 25 or so. Uh, and that's six from uh, Mark Wood. Uh, I breathe a great sigh of relief. Um, but uh, um, I think I thought he took control of a situation that had gone away from England. Um, and Australia were heavy favourites at that time when, uh, when Stokes um, got out. Um, I think the only other thing I would say is um, it's interesting that Bairstow folks uh, debate. Um, I think it's part of basketball. I think there's the commitment uh, to allow players to go out there and, and have a, a couple of bad games. Um, and I think by sticking with Bairstow, they've sent a message to the other 10 or 13 members or whatever it is of the squad that, uh, um, you know, we won't be panicked by uh, a loss of form. You're in here. Um, clearly, at the end of the series, um, they'll take a view on that, as indeed they did with Alex Lees. Um, and they went, we're going for Crawley. 
or set aside Lees. And that could have been the toss of a coin. Um, and uh, I felt a bit sorry for Lees, who scored 195 this week for uh, mm-hmm. uh, Durham to win in, uh, in, in three days. Um, and that would have gone unnoticed. I'm sure he's the, uh, uh, the, 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 the opener in reserve. But uh, um, hopefully there'll be some interest on that loyalty to, uh, to Bearstow. Um, but, uh, you know, had he been on top form with the gloves, well, you know, it could all be over by now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the big thing, isn't it? It's, yes, his batting, <clears throat> he, he did score um, in Edgebaston, but his scores haven't given there. But it's the dropped catchers uh, that's the big thing, because if he had caught some of them, we may be 2-0, 2-1, 3-0 up. Um, and I know it's not just him. I do. I, I know it's not just him. But um, it, it, it's, it's, if I can come back on that, it's a yeah. perpetual. It's a perpetual debate in cricket as to how you squeeze the various roles into the 11 places. And for Bairstow versus Stokes, we can go back to Reed versus Pryor. We yes. can go to Stewart versus Russell. And it's always that, um, yeah. Yeah, that, that debate between the best gloveman and that compromise between runs versus you know, the, odd, uh, the odd drop here or there. Yeah, and England, I think, have generally tended to go with the uh, with, with the guy who can bat. You know, going back, Stuart generally got in ahead of Russell, didn't he, for for, for quite a while. Pryor yeah. got in because he could score runs more so than Chris Reid. Uh, go back to Alan Knott and Bob Taylor. I mean, I still think Bob Taylor's probably as good a wicketkeeper as I've ever seen. Uh, uh, really neat, tidy, undemonstrative. Terrific keeper, and he could bat a bit, but of course Alan Knott could bat better. And even going, going back into the 60s, uh, when they used to pick Jim Parks ahead of John Murray, um, uh, because Parks could bat. Um, so, so the, the uh, but, but Parks was nothing like as good a keeper as, as Murray. Um, so yeah, they've always tended to go with the, with the guy who can bat, and I suppose that's that's a continuation that we're seeing now. It is. I think. The the one that got me was Chris Reed um, um, with Garant Jones, and I think mm. their actual scoring records were pretty similar, actually. And I think that Chris Reed, right, I'm going to take my knots hat off, <laughs> take off my rose coloured glasses, but he was at the time the best wicket keeper in the country, um, and he could bat. I saw him score a century mm. for knots that um, in 2005, so. I, I know he can bat, so that was always a. Mm. a, a I was always knocked about that one because I think, I think Chris Reed was the better player, um, in all round position of the wicketkeeper and batter than Grant Jones. But hey, um, who am I? So, um, but that was uh, that was my thing. I want to ask you three um, a simple little question. Uh, give me a one sentence answer, um, if you will, and I'm going to start with Bill this time. Um, yes, you're not being third this time. You're first. Um, right. Will Australia come to regret the Johnny Bairstow stumping? Uh, no, I don't think they will. Um, at the time I was appalled. I was watching it. I said, surely Cummings is is going to uh, withdraw the appeal and, uh, and bring him back. Um, but to use your expression, what do I know? Um, I've read and I've heard a lot of opinions from um, hard-nosed international cricketers, several of them ex-England captains, 
um, all of whom say it was perfectly within the rules. It was sloppy cricket, uh, and, and, and it probably was. Um, you know, personally, as a, as a, as a club cricketer, um, I sort of go with uh, um, Stokes' view that I wouldn't want to uh, to win that way, but I think that's probably a little bit naive. Um, I think this concept of the spirit of cricket... Um, I think the English view of it and the Australian view of it is probably probably different. But um, on reflection, um, I don't think they will regret it. Um, and um, it, it sort of pains me to say they were probably right. But uh, um, I think it was a bit naive by Bairstow. Um I'd like to think that an England captain would have withdrawn it, but there's history uh, and, and there's um, precedent where... Um, I think Owen Morgan had, had the opportunity to withdraw it and he didn't. And it's a battle, it's professional sport. And um, yeah. there we go. Yeah. Um, Tony, um, it's more the, the fact that since that moment, Stokes then went on and scored a, a, a fantastic century. And then this test, um, we won. And the, the it wasn't the hostility, because I thought the atmosphere was just fantastic, but it was just more the, it just seemed to, I, I don't know. Has it galvanised England more than um, that's why I'm thinking would Australia then live to regret that actual thing? Uh, if England win the series, I think they'll regret it. Yes, probably. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but otherwise not. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with Bill, really. I, 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 Johnny was dozy, wasn't he? I mean, at the yeah, end of the yeah. day, he was dozy. Uh, but I, I wouldn't like to think it. I mean, I, to me, it's too much like man-cadding. And, and you could actually argue that it's, it's worse than man-cadding in the sense that if you if you're out uh, mancadded as it were, it's because you're trying to gain an advantage by getting a start on on, on backing up. Whereas Johnny wasn't trying to get an advantage at all; he was just wandering out of his creeks. Um, so so I wouldn't like to to to, to see England win that way. Uh, but it was perfectly legal, and uh, you know they, they just have to live with it. Uh, yeah. Will will they regret it in terms of the the, uh, the outcome of the series? As I say, I think it just depends. Um, on, on the result, really. I mean, they, they might regret it in the fact that they're probably going to get roundly booed, especially Cummings and Carey for the rest of the series now, as they did at Headingley. But it never yeah. got nasty. It never got out of hand. No. Uh, it was sort of more friendly booing than than anything else, you know. So, uh, uh, yeah, it, it, it was a shame. It, it sort of it, it would have been better had it not happened. And I think, to be honest, Australia might have won more easily had it not happened because Stokes yeah. might not have performed the way he did. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess we, we, we'll never know. Just uh, quickly, uh, one thing to go off uh, piste onto the what we were talking about before, uh, on the wiki-keeping thing. Um, this lad at Somerset looks like he's worth looking at, doesn't he? This lad oh, yes. Uh, five centuries this season, a double the other day. I don't know what he's like as a wicket keeper, but he might come into the thinking at some point. But anyhow, that's by the by. <laughs> he's 19 years old, isn't he? I think. Yes, he is. Yeah, he's 19. He's young, isn't he? Um, so I'm sure they've got their uh, their spies out watching him. Um, Bernie, um, yeah, same question. Will they yeah. come to regret it? Well, my answer is the same as the other two guys. No, I don't think they will. And uh, Tony made a very good point there about the, um, the, the, the the reception that the Australians received at Headingley. Yes, it was there was a lot of booing and a lot of uh, uh, comments, but it, it wasn't really that um, hostile. 
And I think because of that, it, it will go down in the annals as one of those things which uh, which happened and it was a, a big thing at the time. I, I do think there's a movement away from uh, these vague areas in cricket, and I think that's a good thing. Tony, I oh, uh, can't remember which of the guys it was, but uh, the Mancad thing, it was um, it, it was moved from the uh, section on uh, Law 41, which is unfair play, into the run-out law, which makes it a perfectly legitimate form of dismissal. And whilst Tony's right, there is a difference between the two in that Bairstow wasn't seeking to gain an advantage. I do think that things like this should be black and white. Is it out or not? Rather than leaving it to the uh, opinions of a, a captain on the day. And uh, just finally on that, uh, Carey got most of the stick there, but his reaction was an instinctive one to throw the wicket down, which was absolutely fine. It was coming to have the, alternative, uh, the, the option to uh, uh, withdraw the appeal. So if anybody deserves the abuse, it was him. But uh, I think it will just be accepted in, uh, as one of those things as time goes on. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I just wanted to throw that in there and um, see what your what your thoughts were. Um, as as I was away last week, so I couldn't have asked you. Um, so um, so we'll go now. Um, and uh, yeah, we're running out of time. But hey, <laughs> when's that stopped us before? Um, we're gonna go. Where now do you see this series? going um i'm gonna start with tony this time not a clue hey (laughs) (laughs) no idea really um i don't know uh last time we thought when england won at headingley uh that spectacular uh innings from from uh, ben stokes four years ago we thought that'll give them the momentum to go forward and of course what happened at old trafford um the cottage would be pretty important at Old Trafford. It might be the most important one of the series, actually, because uh, you definitely won about first at Old Trafford. Australia won the toss. Uh, Smith got a big hundred. Or did he even get a double? I can't remember. But uh, they racked up a big score, uh, and England had to bat fourth against Lyon on a wicket that was starting to do a bit, and uh, that settled it. Uh, so I think uh, the toss is important. Uh, I think the absence of Nathan Lyon certainly helps England um, because it was pretty clear in that fourth innings on Sunday that uh, Cummins, OK, the pitch would be more helpful, obviously, to Seamers. Uh, but Cummins didn't trust bringing Murphy on uh, because he only brought him on really quite late when it looked as though it was inevitably going England's way. Then a wicket or two fell at the other end and he immediately took him off when he thought there was a chance of winning. Um, had Lyon been playing, I'm sure he would have bowled on that last day. And let's not forget, in amongst everything else, that two of the most crucial wickets in the match were taken by Moeen Ali on, on the Friday when he removed Labuschagne and Smith in quick yeah. succession very cheaply. Um, so uh, I think the absence of Lyon does help England, uh, especially at a ground where old, at Old Trafford where it can spin. Uh, but if you want me to pick a winner, I, I, I just couldn't. I have no idea. It could be 4-1. It could be 3-2 either way. Brilliant. Um, Bill, are you in the same place? <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm sort of in the same place as in I haven't got a clue. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, England obviously clearly have got to go for it. And if there is a game when they have to play all out basketball and create that time and, and, and winning opportunity is probably this one. Um, I think the, um, the biggest decision they've got to make is, well, clearly Robinson's injured and not going to play. Um, one imagines they're going to stick with Moeen at uh, three and Brooke at, uh, at five. 
So it's a question of which, of, which new bowler they bring in. Um, there's certainly no point uh, resting either Wokes or uh, Wood because, um, you know, they might be rest, rest, resting them for a dead wood rubber. So they've absolutely got to go for it. Um, so is it uh, Josh Tung or is it uh, Anderson? And that is a really tough call because um, I think, as Tony said earlier, Anderson's not really looked on it this series, um, but it's his own ground. Indeed, it's his own end. Um, <laughs> so if there was a game to play in, it's this one. Yeah. But equally, Tung has caused all sorts of problems. You know, it's a name that's come from... Uh, left field, frankly. Uh, best bowler at Lords, I thought. But it, it, I thought it was the best bowler uh, at Lords. Um, it wasn't dropped for Headingley, it was rested at Headingley. Rested for what? Mm. So um, I'm glad I'm not the, uh, the, the selector having to make that, uh, that difficult decision. Um, it's going to come down to the weather. <laughs> well, I hope it doesn't come down to the weather. I hope England can engineer uh, the opportunity, but they will go for it. Um, and what a game that would be to all going into the final test. I mean, back from 2-0 down. But precedent suggests that England are really going to struggle. In the history of the Ashes, there's only one team that's come back from 2-0 down, and that was uh, the Australians in 1936-37, when in the final te- three tests, 2-0 down Australia, a certain Don Bradman scored, and he clearly deteriorated over the last three games. 270, 212, and 169. And it's <laughs> so it would be a real, real shame if the weather did intervene and, and denied us that absolutely yeah. fantastic set of the, the, uh, the Oval. But England will go all out. And uh, I think if, if they have the time, I just fancy them a little bit. Yeah, I, I think they feel wronged. Um, going back to your earlier question, and uh, I think they, um, they they feel they deserve that uh, that tilt. Yeah. 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 Bernie. Yeah, I've given you uh, my opinion on the outcome of the series, and in my first case, yeah, uh, a three-two victory to England based on nothing more than blind hope. <laughs> hey, hey, you've got to have hope. If you've got, you've got no hope, then you've got nothing. So, no, but, no, I uh, think, yeah. No, I, I, I think the, um, yeah, Old Trafford is normally the place where you, uh, you, you bat first, dig in and uh, put mountains of runs up. But whilst, whilst I'm sure the pitch will be up to its usual uh, standard, uh, the, the weather might uh, have, have a factor in it as well. If there's some cloud around, you, you never know what might happen. So and I think it'll be another very, very close game. And uh, as I say, England just have the, uh, the momentum. So that's, uh, that's where I'm going. But uh, no, that's, um, that's all I've got to say on the matter. We'll keep our fingers crossed and uh, watch every ball with eager anticipation. Absolutely. So, yep, the uh, next status test starts on um, Wednesday at Old Trafford um, next week. And so and then the, the, the final one is two weeks um, on Thursday, as in two weeks of the night we are recording this. So um, it's all condensed, uh, this series, and uh, what a series it has been. So... Um, um, just one quick, yes. quick, quick thing, Ian. We, we sort of didn't mention. I guess we talked round, but maybe uh, yeah. I think we'd all agree on this. Uh, full marks to the Headingley groundsman. It was a great pitch, you know, the best oh, pitch of the definitely. three by this. Yeah. Yes. yeah, I think actually Anderson probably would have enjoyed playing on that pitch because 
the Edge Baston and the Lords one. I mean, I know he's not played great, but the pitches certainly didn't help him either. Mm. Um, but yeah, the Headingley pitch was amazing. And um, um, one of you mentioned uh, Josh Tong. Um, and uh, does uh, um, any of you know who he's signed for for, for next season? Not next hey! season. Along with Pennington as well, I think, isn't he? Yes. Dylan Pennington yes. as well, I think. We're building a championship winning team. <laughs> <laughs> Remind me of this next summer, will you? And see where we are. Um, <laughs> right, um, we have overrun. But hey, um, what has been your favourite Ashes test of your lifetime? And I'm going to start with Bernie this time. I was hoping you weren't going to uh, ask me first, Ian, because I'm still trying to to work it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I was searching the memory banks and... Um, uh, trying to find one in Australia. I've actually had the privilege of attending six test matches in Australia. Oh, and wow. uh, fantastic tours they've been. I've been three times, um, Perth, Adelaide, and an odd one in Brisbane. And uh, just wonderful occasions. And uh, the people there are fantastic. Don't believe what you hear about the uh, the Australians back home, because certainly in Perth and Adelaide, they are very, very welcoming and very, very nice people. The cricket, however... I've, uh, I've, as I say, I've seen six test matches and six England defeats. So uh, I think we'll scrub that one. <laughs> um, whilst I've seen some uh, good days of cricket uh, in, in England, many of them. But I think for my choice, uh, it's a bit of an obvious one, really. But I was there for the first day of the uh, 1981 series at Headingley. I uh, sat through John Dyson scoring 100 in uh, what these days seems to be like uh, a week and a half, but uh, it put Australia on the on the road to uh, what looked like victory until um, Botham and Dilly and uh, Willis stepped in. And um, yeah, I, I can't beat that one. That was uh, my Ashes uh, match of the match of the lifetime. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much. And going to go to Bill now. Uh, your Ashes test of your lifetime. Right, okay, well I've, I've not watched any uh, um, Ashes tests in Australia, but I have been to the SCG and I have been to uh, Wollongabba in uh, in Brisbane to watch, uh, on, well I was there at the wrong time of year, so on both occasions I watched Aussie rules, um, but uh, I was part of a hockey uh, tour back in 1990, um, and uh, I can say that the locals are very friendly in both of those places too. Um, so my, my, my most memorable test match, and it was watching it on television, um, has got me back in, uh, in England, and it's got me back at Headingley, and I scribbled down two dates, 1981 and 2019, um, and I went for 2019. Um, I, I, I followed the 81 test. Um, it was back in the days when you rang 1-6. Uh, on your dial telephone <laughs> and um, it gave you the up-to-date score um, and I remember at work doing that about once a minute because I'd got wind of the fact that the cause of course communications in those days were uh, uh, were very different but I went for um, 2019 on the basis that I don't think there's been a better innings than Ben Stokes innings uh, in, in, in England's second knock uh, there, um, I think he batted a couple of hours for two uh, on the, mm. the day before, having bowled 15 overs on the reel, mm. um, and then with 70 odd runs still required, uh, it, it was watching a game where it could be over the next ball, 
And it, it was like that for an hour or so. And it was that, that balance of peril versus the sort of ecstasy of these incredible shots. There was uh, that sort of reverse hook over, uh, I think, into, uh, into the East End. Um, I've never seen anything like it. Um, we, it was hinted at at Lords, but it just was silly because they were trying to chase down 200 and odd. Um, but I, I, I think I'll go to my grave not seeing a better innings than that and not seeing a better, um, more exciting finish to a te- test match. Um, I hope I'm wrong, um, but it'll be a very <laughs> good game if I am. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, Bill. Uh, Tony, yours. Yeah, it's got to come down to the same too, hasn't it? I mean, uh, I can think of others. Uh, Jeff Boycott's 100th, 100 in 77. You know, that was memorable, obviously. Uh, but England won that match by an inning. So uh, it was it was a very one-sided test match. Uh, although it was the test where they clinched the ashes, which which I suppose made it that bit more special. Um, Mark Butcher's innings in 2001. Um, uh, we just went on the last day just to watch a bit of cricket, really, not expecting much. But that was on a declaration, of course. So you, you don't kind of really think that that, uh, that necessarily counted so much. So you do come down to the, the 281 and 2019. I'd agree with Bill. I I've, don't think I've ever seen a better innings than Stokes's, uh, and I'm unlikely to do so. Um, I'm, I, I might just, I, I suppose, uh, I might just go for 81 on the basis that England were permanently behind the eight ball there. I mean, in in 2019, they bowled Australia out quite cheaply and you thought, oh, great chance here. And then, of course, they were bowled out themselves for, was it 60 odd, I think. Uh, uh, and, uh, and, and you thought, oh, there's no chance. And, and it was, as, as, as Bill said, Stokes 15 overs on the trot or whatever, um, on the, was it the second evening that, that dragged them sort of back into it and gave them something that was chaseable, but they weren't likely to chase it. But, you know, as we know, they, they got it in the end with that remarkable last wicket stand. But, um, uh, uh, 81 was um, Australia were dominant. Uh, I mean, actually, the first three, three and a half days or so were quite turgid. Uh, as, as Bernie said, I think Australia got about 200 for two on that first day. John Dyson ground through and they declared in the end was it just over 400. It took them nearly two days to get those. Uh, and then England were rolled for 170 odd. And I think in the second innings, they were 135 for seven still requiring another whatever it's 60 70 80 or something like that to make australia bat again and that was when of course we had the famous odds up on the scoreboard as was it 500 to 1 or 150 yeah. to 1 mm-hmm. I don't remember what it was uh, and and uh, the match was all over i mean you you wouldn't even have contemplated at any stage that england could win that match uh, and even when both them and, and first Dilly and then Chris Old uh, were knocking it around and uh, getting getting them ahead, uh, you thought, well, at least it gives them something to chase. But even then, 130, I mean, yeah, they're going to get those. And when they were 56 for one just before lunch, they were definitely going to get them. Uh, and then England, bang, 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 three wickets. They were 56 for four at lunch. And that's when I think you first started thinking, hey. They could win this. So I think I might just go for 81 on the basis that it was a test match that England were never going to win at any stage and did. Whereas in 2019, there were times earlier on when you thought they had a great chance. I think that, no, that um, it's really interesting that you three have picked basically Headingley 81 and Headingley 2019 as as your favourite Ashes test matches of your lifetime. Um, um, which is, yeah, I mean, both of them were in my lifetime as well, which uh, says more about how England, 
don't win the Ashes very often um, in our lifetime and don't win Test matches that often. Um, I'm going to throw a curveball um, and I'm going to go... Um, one of my favourite matches was the Trent Bridge Test in 2005 where we went 2-1 up, mm-hmm. um, chasing mm-hmm. 129 and then Shane Warne <laughs> kind of came on and uh, just skittled them out until um, Matthew Hoggard and Ashley Giles um, saved the day and put us 2-1 up, which which won that series. But actually, my favourite one is the Melbourne Boxing Day test in 2010-11 winter. The one that we won in Australia for the very first time since 1986-87. And we bowled Australia out on Boxing Day for less than 100. And it was the first time, I think, in decades, almost centuries, that Australia had never been bowled out for less than three figures um, mm. in Melbourne, at least. Um, what a test I think match it, that was. England had won that by the end of the first day, and they hadn't, weren't Strauss and Cook, hadn't they, weren't they still in at the end of the first yeah, day? Yeah, they were. I think they were like 150 mm. without loss at the mm. end of that first mm. day after bowling them out for 97. Um Absolutely incredible. I don't think I'll ever see that again. England in Australia. Um, mm. Certainly in, in my lifetime, I don't think. Mm. I mean, we can all dream. Um, but yeah, the, the, I'm going for those two. So the Melbourne one and the um, the Trent Bridge one in 2005. Which I was there. I was there, by the way. Trent Trent Bridge on the fourth day, yeah. We tried to get tickets for the third day and we couldn't. It was sold out, so we thought, oh, we'll get them for the fourth day. And we were lucky. (laughs) I had had tickets for the fifth day. I had tickets for the fifth day. But (laughs) but actually, didn't care. (laughs) Didn't care. We won. That's all that mattered. But, yeah, I had a a ticket for the fifth day on that one. So um, I just throw in one that um, the Australia one, which I would put down as a memorable one, which was the centenary test in Melbourne, um, where uh, I think both sides were rolled in the first innings for not very many at all. I think Australia were out for, I don't know, not many over 100. England were all out for less than 100. And then Australia batted, of course, in the second innings, but a big score. Rick McCosker, I think, who'd broken his jaw came in and batted at number eight or something with a great big bandage around his head and scored some crucial runs. Everybody wondered why on earth he come in. And in the end, I think England were chasing over 400 and everybody thought no chance of that. And Derek Randall, 170 odd. And of course, the match finished up with exactly the same result as the first test 100 years before. Australia won by 45 runs. Brilliant. Derek Randall. Oh, there's still a suite named after him at Trent Bridge as well. Um, he um, he was knots, Mr. Derek Randall. Um, anyway, enough about knots. That's far too much knots um, in this episode. And um, yeah, um, the chairman's going to give me a right slap on the wrist now. So we're going to leave it there. Wimbledon is ongoing. We will chat Wimbledon next week. We will chat Tour de France next week. But it, it's the ashes, and we're right slap bang in the middle of it. So that's why I thought I'd I'd concentrate on that. So thank you so much to to Bill to Bernie and to Tony. It's been absolutely fantastic this week. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week to chat more stuff. Um, And uh, we'll go from there. But you get well soon. Get out of hospital. And uh, we'll leave you there. Good night and God bless.